Welcome to Hit It, the Water Skier Magazine podcast, powered by USA Water Ski and Wake Sports, where we go on the water with some of the top athletes from three events, show skiing, barefooting, and everything in between. This episode is brought to you by Visit Central Florida, the water ski capital of the world. I'm your host, Tyler Boyd. Welcome back to the Hit It Podcast. Summer is over, fall is here, class is back in session, and that means collegiate water skiing is upon us. In this episode, I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with both Jeff Sergey and Marcus Brown. Jeff has served in big roles as president of the National Collegiate Water Ski Association, or NCWSA, and the American Water Ski Association, or AWSA. He brings a lot of knowledge to this discussion as a former athlete and an administrator in those roles. And we welcome back to the podcast, Marcus Brown, who is very familiar as he is the slalom skier on the logo of the NCWSA. And he is also an inductee to the Collegiate Hall of Fame. We talk about what makes it different in collegiate skiing, the culture of collegiate skiing. We also talk about the current situation with the Iowa State Ski Team, where after 35 years of competing in collegiate water skiing, the university has unilaterally shut down and canceled the program, labeling the sport, quote, an enthusiastic non-sports club. We get the reactions from both Jeff and Marcus on that issue, and we also pick our favorites of who might take the national title this year in 2022. This is a really fun episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of the Hit It Podcast. Well, welcome to the Hit It Podcast. We're back in the virtual studio today, and we have a really fun topic with two awesome guests. Our first guest is Jeff Sergey. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Tyler. I'm excited. And making a return to the Hit It podcast, Marcus Brown. Marcus, glad to have you back, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be back with you guys. It's fun to be on here with Jeff. I mean, my whole uh, my whole collegiate career was basically that guy was the tip of the spear in the Midwest. So it's cool to be on here with a legend in the collegiate world. Yeah, and that's exactly where we're going to put this podcast out there for everybody. We are in the fall now. So nationals is concluded in the traditional three event that moves us into football and water skiing. Like I like to say in the fall with collegiate water skiing underway and uh, everything builds up to the collegiate nationals. Jeff, I want to start with you. Uh, collegiate collegiate skiing in general has really taken off um, over the last couple of decades. And it is something so special that everybody on this podcast has had the opportunity to enjoy. But I want to hear from you. Like, how did you get your start in collegiate water skiing? I know that you've been very involved all the way up to the chairman of collegiate water skiing. But tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, uh, thanks, Tyler. Um, so, yeah, I went to uh, Purdue University in 94. Um, was there for six years <laughs> till through 2000. So I started there. Purdue was in, over in Indiana. Um, I got when I, you know, was in AWSA back then in Boys 3, I didn't hear much about collegiate skiing. But I remember senior year, we took a road trip, uh, went and checked out the Midwest Regionals and just saw that action and fell in love with it right away. So, you know, I kind of went, uh, I almost went to UCF. Um, for a little bit, because um, I was going to pharmacy school. So I was trying to find a school that had pharmacy and skiing, which at the time was Monroe. 
um, Purdue, Kansas, and UCF were kind of the only four. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up visiting Purdue. I had some some friends that were there, Kodiaks. Um, guy kind of got me in there and took me around. And so, yeah, so I skied for Purdue 94 uh, through 98. Um, and, and yeah, fell in love with it there and got super involved uh, in, in collegiate skiing right you know, on and on and off the water right away. It, it's just, uh, it was a great experience. I had, you know, the whole life. It's, it's unreal. Yeah. We'll, we'll continue to touch on it in this episode. And Marcus, um, not only were you um, just really at the top of your game in collegiate water skiing, you're even on the logo of, of collegiate water skiing and one of the inductees to the hall of fame. Tell us about your background. Yeah, actually, I wanted to talk to you both about that. I'm glad we have this meeting today because <laughs> I need to get the dreads on the logo because that was me before dreads. So it's not really a good representation anymore. I don't know if we can work that out, but actually, no, I don't want the dreads on there. Anyway, that that's uh, yeah, it's it's a good it's been a good run. It was fun. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. It was a it was a transformational experience to be in collegiate skiing. Um, you know, it's a it's a time of your life where you're 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 changing as an individual you're growing into an adult and so the people you surround yourself with really matter and the cool thing about collegiate skiing is uh, for the most part it's it's just a great community of people who are multi-talented um and you know like like jeff for instance who um get things done and and kind of lead the way and so yeah i mean skiing for me i was influenced by my big brother um I went to collegiate nationals in 1988, saw what it was all about as a nine-year-old kid. It was like, all right, now I know what I'm aiming for. And that kind of stuck with me. And then um, went to Chico state out of college. Uh, actually I did it. I did it like a kind of round Robin approach to college. I beat Jeff by a couple of years, by the way, I, was, I think I was eight years instead of six, but, but yeah, I, I, I dabbled a little bit at, at a couple of different colleges, ended up at Chico state. And that's kind of where I, did most of my collegiate skiing was at Chico state here in Northern California. Excellent. Yeah. And well, this question will go to both of you. And and first Jeff, uh, collegiate skiing is different in the sense that, you know, you show up to campus, it depends which campus you're at and you're trying to recruit either people at that campus or in the summer, trying to recruit people to come ski with you. What was your setup? Like, did, did you have a lake nearby or did, you know, did you have to drive an hour to get there? Yeah, we definitely, uh, we weren't exactly the, the Monroe, you know, setup, so to speak. So when I first got there, I mean, Purdue was a, a decently established team, um, not too bad. But at that time, I, my freshman year, I remember I just, I knew some AWSA people who had a lake around there. So I was able to hook up with them and get my own training in, but the team did not have anything. Then two or three years in, we found uh, it was a peat moss lake, absolutely disgusting place to ski. But we had our own place, our own course, no jump, but it was 20 minutes from campus. Um, so that was huge for the team to have that uh, to be able to go to because we would have our ski for funds, our tryouts. We actually would travel to Water's Edge in Wilmington uh, to Decatur, the pits. Like we would travel two or three hours at AWSA sites to have our tryouts and stuff because we didn't have anywhere on campus. But Purdue eventually got a lake, uh, you know, close to my senior year, uh, Pete Moss Farm. And I think even after I graduated, they found another one kind of near campus. I'm actually not sure what they have right now. But, uh, you know, so we had I mean, we had a place. Uh, it was, you know, a little bit of a drive, but not too bad. Good deal. Good deal. So, Marcus, you're over there at Chico State. Um, I don't know 
of another professional skier that's attended Chico State. And so for Chico to pick you up on the water skis team, I'm sure that was a big boost in their points. But tell us what what it was like to be at Chico, because you're over there entering into the professional scene at the time. And then are you guys recruiting on campus or are you recruiting out of the western region? How is that going? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, Chico State's not known for like, you know, an epicenter of water skiing. Um, obviously, California's got a lot of toad water sports, but Chico State, for instance, we were more of like a club presence on on campus. Um, not not a lot of support, obviously enough to where, you know, we were able to bring the boat out to the to the quad during you know spring and fall semesters, and that's kind of how we did a lot of initial recruiting. Was like. We have the, the boat out there. We have the banner. We have the table, sign-up sheets. We have tryouts, you know, next week out at the After Bay, public piece of water. And um, that was kind of like, it was pretty grassroots. You, you would just be kind of wrapping your arms around the whole community. And oftentimes you'd be teaching people how to water ski, which is kind of much like the Midwest, honestly, sounds like. And so that, that to me, <clears throat> I think, um, was a valuable thing to be a part of. Because I came from the sport, but I saw how, how there was a lot of people who could go down this road of never knowing it, finding about out of, stumbling upon the boat on campus and become lifelong skiers. So that pathway to me was like an eye opener, you know, like huge eye opener. Whereas some of my other friends would went to Monroe or they went to you know ASU and it was that was a different pathway because you'd have a lot of the best skiers in the country come, come to that school, but also um, they didn't have as much fun at tournaments. They didn't, they couldn't be themselves. They had to like, uh, for lack of a better term, they just had to stay between the lines, you know, whatever that means. And it was like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, this is about community camaraderie and that's what Chico state was great for. And, and also that pathway of being not a skier, maybe being up on the, on the, on a ski once in your life to suddenly, being a lifelong skier and getting your family, your kids into this after you graduate college, that, that was a great pathway to, to witness. And I think that's the strength of collegiate skiing, honestly. Well, that's a pretty good plug right there for Chico state with that said, Marcus, um, Jeff, from your time skiing up to 2022, what has been the biggest changes that you've seen in collegiate water skiing? Ooh, biggest changes. I think I say this in a good way. I don't, I don't know that a ton has changed. And I think that's why it's, it's stayed as good as it is. Right. I mean, AWSA has obviously had its tremendous ups and downs, but um, you know, it's grown, you know, obviously a lot since the nineties, but the formats, what makes it successful, the people in it, uh, how it runs, the scoring, the recruiting, how that all goes. It is really, if you think about it, stayed pretty, pretty consistent uh, for the last 20 years. And I think that's why it survived. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit, Jeff, about that format, because it's so unique from any other sport, because the combination, at least at the national championships, consists of uh, a male team and a female team. And you take the top four scores from each of those events, you combine them. And really, that's where the enthusiasm comes from the team on the sideline, because every score really matters because you can only throw out one score from each event. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you hit it on the head. The, the scoring format, I think, is really aided in the ability for a grassroots skier to mean something to the team. Um, even if you're getting 50th place or whatever it may be, 
that extra buoy, that extra uh, side slide, whatever it may be, you know, at AWSA, we have the knob system. So if somebody like Marcus goes out there, runs two at 41, and somebody from Purdue goes out there and runs two at 35, that's a huge gap that you can't overcome. But in collegiate skiing, it could be first to fourth place and it's 30 points. And so I think that scoring system is very important for everybody to feel like everybody's important because even even that one extra buoy is team points and it just keeps it keeps everybody closer, the scoring closer. I mean, we, we obviously have major dynasties in the sport, so we still have a little bit of that. But the, the scoring format, I think, is, is absolutely imperative to success of, of combining grassroots and professionals in the same event. Well, I absolutely love the way you said that because in the scoring format, I remember when I was at Monroe, uh, you, you ski the first day. It consists of three days of skiing. You ski the first day. By the by the end of the second day and the third day, you're over there as a team ca- captain calculating exactly where people actually need to place, not necessarily where they need to score. So it's really cool on, on that front. Marcus, um, Chico State, I want to go back to this because it sounds like you guys had a really good time over there. Do you have one favorite memory that sticks out to you? Oh man, that's, that's a good question. Honestly, the things that I always go back to with collegiate skiing, and this is probably anticlimactic, but the things I go back to about Chico State are are actually not the skiing. It's more like the crew and the things that we got to do, the traveling together, um, the, the, the kind of cohesion that we had at, at tournaments, like to, to Jeff's point, the, the scoring and the, and the structuring of the events is the key difference between the stuff that we grew up doing, what we you know, call three event water skiing and collegiate skiing. Collegiate skiing is, is a whole different animal. And um, it's really hard to recreate because these kids, you know, when you're in college, you go to school at the same school with the same, you know, with the whole team, right. You, you, you take different classes, but you, you, you do fundraisers together you practice together, you, you know, wash the boat together, you do all these things together. So when you go to a tournament, you're, you're a cohesive unit. And that just changes the whole dynamic at the event. You know, Jeff would agree. It's like a different ball game than, you know, I just went to the Cali Pro-Am here in California last, last weekend. And it's awesome. It's the best skiers in the world, but it's missing something. Something is missing. There's the best skiers in the world. They get, they all, all guys and girls, they ski two rounds per day, but there's just not, there's, there's some sort of buzz or energy or something that's missing. And that's what collegiate skiing has. And for me, some of my greatest memories are just hanging out at the lake with the team at an event, not even a big event uh, or, or traveling to the event in the motorhome or just any of those things that like, that you don't get anywhere else except collegiate skiing. You know, absolutely. Jeff, I was thinking about this. Now, I was, I was asking you before we jumped on the podcast, if you've ever been to the lakes of Cypress Hill. And then I was remembering 2015, the collegiate national uh, collegiate nationals were hosted there. And I was announcing the event. And of all of the events that I've ever announced, I would have to say that awards banquet after we were done was the most fun event ever. And uh, we were calling up teams. And I remember you at one point, I mean, we're about ready to tear down the place. I mean, it is getting pretty wild in there. And you turn to me and go, I wish we had more stuff to hand out. This is awesome. (laughs) But I remember those banquets. You remember that one? 
Because we the the DJ was there, right? So yeah, we had we had DJ Nick. He helped host the tournament, and then you know he was over there cranking it up. But, I think and, it was the and, first time we played music as they came up, and it was you know obviously DJ sound. I remember that it was at a bar, wasn't it? it yeah, it was. Uh, it's no longer there. I think that after we were after there, that. they just shut it down <laughs> permanently. Um, but the the ceiling was really low with the DJ, so it was super loud WWE style entrances to the podium. But uh, a really cool memory and. That's part of it, Marcus. You know, you take a look at uh, skiing with your friends every day and then getting to go to the lake and ski with these tournaments. Everything comes up to collegiate nationals and then you kind of end the year with a banquet. Um, I wanted to talk to you, too, Marcus, about that, because um, I know that you're an inductee to the Collegiate Water Ski Hall of Fame. Um, and I, and I've seen your speech out there. And I think was that done at a collegiate nationals? I, I don't I don't know. I just wanted to ask because that was a really special moment for you. Yeah, that was at the 2019 nationals, right? The last nationals we had before COVID in Sacramento, um, which, you know, incidentally was the same venue, the 88 collegiate nationals when I was not even 10 years old, attended older brother skied um got me got me hungry for for water skiing basically and um and so yeah that was a special moment that big thanks to again before i continue one of the things i haven't said is uh, another beautiful thing a very integral thing about collegiate skiing is you see when you're in it you don't pay attention at least i didn't pay attention as much to who's behind the scenes making the machinery work who's the who are the officials who are the tournament directors who's who's keeping the wheels you know, on this, this train, who, who's keeping everything between the lines. And, and usually it ends up being ex collegiate skiers who are just trying to give back and keep this thing going because they see so much value in it. And so, um, Jeff has been that, that person for a lot of years. Um, Christy Kingsmill, there's, there's a lot of people, uh, Jeff Rush. It's just, there's a lot of people out there who, who have raised their hand and stepped up and, and continued to keep the sport alive. So, yeah, maybe nothing's much has changed, but that's because these people have stepped in when other people needed to step out to keep things going. And they did a cool thing, I think, with with this kind of um, NCWSA Hall of Fame. So I, I was lucky enough to get to be a part of that and to get to be an inductee and um, honored. You know, I don't I don't you, I guess you don't feel like you deserve it when you're somebody who gets inducted. Um, but, yeah, I got to give a speech there in front of family, which is not always the case because it was an hour and a half from home. My brother was there. That was a, that was a really special moment for me. Um, and yeah, it's just like, it's what it's all about. It's yeah. like everybody was focused on me for a couple minutes. Cause I'm talking in front of the podium, but really I'm just kind of a hood ornament, if you will, for what this whole thing is about. It's like, yeah, you can, you can live out your dreams, but what's more important is don't forget to look to your left, look to your right, realize that these people that you're with on your team and your region, um, that you're helping, you know, build whatever, whatever it is together, whether it's, you know, a, a national championship team or just a club at your, you know, your school in Iowa that that's, that's got this beautiful thing going. You got to make those moments count. And that's what that moment was for me. It's like, that's, that's a, that's a cool moment in time. And it, yeah, it was, uh, 
Marcus, yeah. that's well said. And that's a great segue to where I want to go in this podcast. And I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Iowa State in their current situation. I wanted to read to you guys just a brief part of their social media statement and get their get your reaction, because we have so many people that um, have given back to the sport. And obviously we want to see it just grow from here. <laughs> but here here's what the club update on the social media of Iowa State Waterski said. It is sad for us to announce after 35 years of competing and proudly representing Iowa State University through the sport of water skiing, Iowa State has come to the conclusion to turn our organization into, quote, enthusiastic non-sports club, end quote. This being said, our club, along with many other clubs at Iowa State, will no longer be able to practice and compete. This change was due to our team's high-risk activity in an uncontrolled off-campus environment. Jeff, just wanted to get your reaction to that. I mean, you've served as chairman for a long, long time. Um, I don't know if you've you've seen this in the past with other organizations or clubs, but um, what's your reaction to this? Uh, it's sad. You know, I've never seen anything like this before. We've had clubs that have definitely possibly gotten shut down for behavior that they did, uh, code of conduct stuff that they might have violated with the school. But to have something happen, it's a tragic accident that happened, no doubt about it. Uh, but for it to happen to another club and for that to affect other clubs is sad. And, I, you know, I don't want to get political or go into too much, but it's, it's just like it's what society feels like nowadays, you know, something happens and, and everything else has to suffer for it. I mean, accidents are going to happen and, 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 you know, the Iowa state ski club is, is being safe. They didn't do anything to encourage or, or be negligent and, and what occurred and, and either did the rowing team for that fact, you know? Um, but it's like, what, what are we going to do? You know, somebody dies in a car accident, we're going to take all the cars off the street. I mean, it's kind of the mentality that they're taking and uh, it's sad. And it, I hope it doesn't snowball into, other campuses, I don't think it will, but you just never know in, in, in today's society. Marcus, um, you've done such a good job covering uh, water skiing in general, but especially collegiate water skiing with Flowpoint TV. And going back to your comment about 2019, you put together a Flowpoint. I have it up on my screen right here. It's Flowpoint 20.3. At the very beginning of that clip, you open up with Iowa State as the first team that's in the introduction. Um, when you saw this news, I, I just wanted to get your reaction because, um, I mean, they're right there and you were covering them, having fun at Collegiate Nationals in 2019, and they're not going to be there this year. Yeah, I mean, what basically what Jeff said, I think, is is spot on. Uh, um, and maybe I'll take it one step back. And, and the reality is, in this day and age, we need more opportunities for young adults trying to develop into better human, the, the humans they're going to be to develop their character, to, to um, develop skills, life skills. And it can't just be done in the classroom. Like my parents are both teachers. They're phenomenal teachers, but they even know you can't, you're not going to learn everything you need to learn at college, just in the classroom. And here you have like a, a pretty good sport, water skiing and co college lowers the barrier to entry for water skiing because you can pool your resources 
the school can help or not help, but the club can, can come together and afford a boat and afford to pay for a place to ski and afford some gear. And next thing you know, you have this sport that's becoming, I hate to say it, that's becoming more elitist. That's still somehow attainable. And it's like, it's like collegiate skiing is the only antidote against that right now. So if anything, we need more collegiate skiing teams coming online, not less. So to see this happen for the sport is bad. Hopefully it doesn't snowball, like Jeff said, into other club sports, other club uh, water ski clubs throughout the country. I hope it doesn't. Um, but then zooming out even more as, it, as for humanity, we, we just, we just don't need more stuff coming offline, but on the whole is a positive influence in a lot of people's lives. We need, we need these outlets to continue to grow and flourish. We don't need them. We don't need colleges to become risk averse because of something that's out of everybody's control in a way. So I just feel like, yeah, I feel like it's a bad move. I feel like it's, it's obviously somewhat tied to just kind of the world at large right now, but um, hopefully we can raise our voices enough and, and see if we can get something to change because that's what skiing's about. Even at the junior level, let alone the collegiate level, skiing isn't about podiums. It's not about finishing in first place. It's not about records and all this other crap. Skiing is about becoming a better human through the act of, of doing something through the act of, of learning how to, to interact and work collaboratively with other human beings. That's what water skiing is. That's what it means to me. I think that's what it means ultimately, fundamentally to a lot of skiers. We just, we can't, we, we need more of that in the world, not less. So this is kind of a step backwards, I think. Yeah, well said, Marcus. And it comes up all the time on this podcast. Almost every time we conclude, we get back around to water skiing being a family sport and the water skiing community being an extension of that family. And without collegiate water skiing, which is the, the great entry into water skiing, you're, I mean, arguably, you'll never have as much fun as you're going to have in college skiing that those skiers that could get attached to the sport are never going to have the opportunity to uh, experience that and maybe bring their families in to enjoy the ride, just like we all have um, for the rest of our lives. And so um, with that, Jeff, uh, let's transition a little bit on the current skiers, the current collegiate skiers. How do we get more students involved in collegiate water skiing? Uh, you know, it's a good question because, you know, college water skiing, you know, we feel like it's survived the downfalls of, of water skiing, but it, it actually, you know, we, we are down teams, you know, from back in the day, as high as 80 back in the day where I think we're at 50, 60. So uh, we don't see it as much because nationals is always so big and so great, you know, so you kind of sometimes don't realize, wow, well, we're down to, you know, seven teams in the East. And um, so I think it is a concern. Uh, I think we're, I think we're doing a good job of converting everybody from A to say that we can. That's already a skier. I don't know many skiers that are coming out of boys five and in girls five that aren't choosing a college. So that's really good to see. Uh, honestly, if I I've always had this dream, this idea, and I, I I still think it would be valid. So the teams that are currently on campus, they do a really good job of recruiting. They go out there and they build those teams for the most part. Um, you do see some turnover sometimes if the seniors get a little lazy and they don't worry about bringing in and we see some teams fall off, but um, you don't see that as much, but what I always wanted to do, and I don't know if this would work, I wanted to pay somebody to literally spend a year traveling from campus to campus, set up a call out, 
and just find your two or three people. Because we as an organization, NCWSA, or, you know, if you're Michigan State or Michigan, like you don't have time to build, you know, a, a, a club at somewhere that doesn't have a club, right? You always got to find that person. You know, that's how a lot of these start. It's like, hey, so-and-so from Boys 5 is, you know, is going to Eastern Carolina. And we kind of talk them into getting it going. But we're always relying on the skier to do it. As an organization, we don't really have the means to just go start a campus at Oklahoma State in Oklahoma, wherever it might be. So I thought, you know, what if we paid somebody to literally just spend a summer or a year, just hit campus, 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 set up a call out for two days, get some list of names, because that's the one thing. I, if you, there is a there is a wakeboarder, a surfer, somebody that is skied on every campus in the country. Like collegiate skiing is huge. We should have 200 teams. I mean, it should be yeah. really bigger than it is. So we failed to really grow, you know, past where we are. So I just, I, I thought that would be, I'd like to see if that could work. You pay somebody 20, 30 grand, spend the year and, and go start up 20, 30 teams, you know, and see if it could work. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you bring up that point too. There's so much talent out there that goes unrecognized in college. And I say this all the time. I remember a skier when I was skiing from Texas state and he knew how to get up on a wakeboard. And I think he knew how to do a flip, but he had never been on two skis and he only could jump in the tournaments because that's the only place that he had a ramp. So he went to the first tournament, rode over the ramp, went like 30 feet. Second tournament he goes to, he he takes a three-quarter cut and goes like 48 feet. The third tournament is collegiate regionals, and I kid you not, the kid took a three-quarter cut on his third time ever on jump skis. It looked like an absolute train wreck, but he was such an athlete, he was able to pull the skis underneath him, and he landed like a 71-foot jump on his third time ever to take, you know, a jump set. So there's so much talent out there, but we've got to, you know, get out there and discover it. Marcus, you kind of touched on this just a little bit on kind of smelling the roses and enjoying the ride of being a collegiate water skier um, at any level. Uh, probably that goes more for the the ones that are competing at the professional level because a lot of times you get really, really serious about what they're doing and, and kind of miss some stuff. What is your advice to current collegiate water skiers? To current collegiate water skiers? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, not, it, it's hard to – here's the deal. I, I don't really have great advice because I think the older I get, the more I realize I don't know anything. So <laughs> – I think, um, don't be afraid to make mistakes, you know, it would be, would be one because I think we all get kind of boxed in, you know, we're afraid to, we're afraid to even just simple stuff. Like we're afraid to go, you know, introduce ourselves to somebody that, you know, the, across the way or whatever, we're afraid to raise our hand and offer, offer to help. We're afraid of rejection and all this other stuff. But in the end, you don't remember that you remember the things that you did that, that worked out. So don't be afraid to fail. Um, I learned that kind of just generally from my buddy, Will Asher, you know, one of the best skiers in the world. Like the guy is one of the people see his, his successes, but they don't see his failures. And I think that's what, that's what um, you need to be able to find your own path. So I don't really have any great advice. I will tell you that uh, collegiate skiing is kind of some of the best, the best years of your life, uh, most unique years of your life. Not the best. I mean, there, there are better, there are great years too after, but you've just got to enjoy them, cherish them, try to share them with as many people as you can. And don't forget why you're doing it. You're doing it because it's fun. You're doing it because usually you're trying to overcome a challenge and jump a little further, trick a little more points, slalom a few more buoys. And you're trying to create 
experiences and, and relationships. You know, that's what life's about. It's about relationships and experiences. And that's what collegiate skiing offers. So you can't really go wrong. The only thing I'd say is like what Jeff said, think about ways to get outside the box and, and, you know, think to the future, how to grow it, how to keep yourself in it longer. I think the, the barrier to entry seems really high. You see, you need a boat to do this. Usually you can do it behind the cable, but that's a different deal. You need a boat to do it. The boat prices seem astronomical, but there are other ways to get yourself into a boat. It doesn't have to be what you think it has to be. So I'd say do what it takes to enjoy the crap out of it. And also think outside the box as far as how you're going to keep your foot in it because you can do it. Well, that's excellent, Marcus. And Jeff, this is kind of a question of uh, this next question. We have this huge growth in collegiate water skiing. And it's always exciting for me during the summer if I go to a tournament and I see collegiate skiers that would normally only attend a collegiate tournament skiing in a regular USA water ski tournament during the summer. What does that transition look like? And what do you think that vision should be for the rest of us that are in the water ski community to bring these collegiate skiers in? Because eventually college will end, right? And and you got to move on. So when you're moving on with your life, making sure that uh, they have their place in water skiing. Yeah, I wish we could. I mean, it's always, it's the age old question, right? We've been trying to figure that out for a long time. How do we bridge this gap between NCWC and AWSA? And there's a lot of barriers, you know, when you first get out of college, you're obviously going to get your job and start your family. And, you know, some of them find their way back, but most of them don't. Um, you know, team skiing is what makes college. So it's competition and team skiing. And we don't have either of those in my eyes in AWSA. We, you know, it's, we don't have competition. I mean, we do at nationals maybe, but, you know, if you're going to get somebody to commit, cause it's, you know, the commitment to the sport is big, right? It's, you're not going to go play golf for two hours. You're at a tournament for, for 12 hours and you're going to drive three hours and it's two days. Like it's, you know, if you're going to spend that much time for five minutes on the water, you know, it's got to be worth the ROI. And, it, and, you know, we tried the team skiing and able to say definitely, you know, it had some successes, but it didn't evolve into what I had hoped. Um, but I still, you know, I don't know if water skiing could become a team sport, whether we compete by clubs or by states. But I think I, I know for Team Illinois, the little bit that we did it, I mean, it did bring us together. It was like college. You know, we were texting each other. How, how are you skiing? How are you practicing? Even though you're not on campus together, you know, because you're on different lakes. And we all got on the shoreline and we cheered for each other. So I think uh, some different format, I to say, uh, adding competition to every weekend, I think would, would help bridge that gap. Cause that's what you, you know, you go to, you go to college and, and your four, three buoys and your two side slides, you were competitive and that made a big deal. And you go do that native essay in men's one. I mean, that's no fun. Like why are you going to spend that time and money to go do that? So some people will get better and eventually make their way in it. But if you're, if you're a, you know, not an average skier, what's, you know, there's not much AWSA offers as far as fun and competition. And there's formats that are fun. And we do some handicap tournaments here at our lake that always bring back a ton of college skiers. But I think AWSA has got to look at a new format, a new way to compete, whether it's handicapped or something to, to, to bridge that gap and help that. Yeah. And, and maybe it's one of those things and we've all experienced collegiate skiing so we can automatically relate. But those who have not experienced that, it's kind of like, well, why are we doing this as a team? You know, as this individual. Um, but then then you're like, oh, if you only knew the fun. Right. <laughs> but uh, 
Marcus, I, I wanted to ask you a question because you've spent so much time with Flowpoint TV. Um, you've been down there with the athletes. You've been down there with the different schools, the enthusiasm. And I think that's what we need to touch on in this particular episode is it's like a football game down there on the shoreline. People are painted up. People got air horns. They got banners. They're dancing around. Music's going crazy. Uh, just explain to our audience what the feel is like, because you've been able to capture that and get interviews and all of that. What, what's it like being on the shore? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's it, it is pretty insane. The energy is usually I mean, there's times where it's it's loud, especially when you're in the middle of it and you're surrounded by four or five schools that are like competing against each other like cheering against each other almost to see who could be the loudest. So I think, you know, for me, it's really, it's really like that is an expression of what this means to those kids. That's literally what you are hearing. It's the physical, audible, visual expression of how important that team is, that moment in time, that time and place that those kids find themselves. It's like there's no place in the world they'd rather be than that place right there. And you feel it when you're in the middle of it. And again, going back to Iowa state and going back to what collegiate skiing meant to me, that's why it's important. How else, how else are you going to create a situation where these young adults can suddenly pretend like they're 12 years old, but actually get away with it. And it's freaking awesome. And they're, they're, they're letting this stuff come out and it's, it's got a purpose behind it. It's purpose driven. There, there's some sort, there's something you can't explain about it. And I think that that's, that to me is like another unseen value piece of collegiate skiing. It's just like these kids are having the time of their lives. Like let's, let's let them do it because um, there's value in that that you can't put a dollar amount on for sure. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's electric when you're there, when you're in it, it's cool. No, like, no. Next we could be the new model college water skiing. Come feel like a kid again. <laughs> exactly. Can I go back Seriously. to college? <laughs> Uh, Jeff, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on uh, kind of the dominating schools uh, throughout collegiate water skiing. Uh, obviously, Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Lafayette, Alabama, Florida Southern, Rollins College, um, even Arizona State has been in the mix. Um Talk a little bit about that, because I think there's been some theories out there like, you know, obviously you get to see the spectrum of the professional almost, you know, at times there's been uh, world record holders that current world record holders skiing at the collegiate nationals or something like that, all the way down to somebody who may have just learned to get up uh, that semester, let's say. What's your take on on that range of of competitiveness there? Oh man. So yeah, th that, that range is something I always look at and go back to. It's like, I, you know, when I think of AWSA and I, sorry, I keep referencing AWSA a lot here, but when we look at these divisions, it's like, how is Cleveland scan be able to support two at 41 off with two buoys in the same event? And it works. Nobody complains. Oh my God, I got 55th. Right. You did that in AWSA. Everyone's complaining that they're not getting a, a ribbon, you know? Some, somehow Collegian has, has been able to make that range work. And I think it's the team concept and, uh, you know, it's the scoring that definitely aids in that. But I think that that range is is so cool to me. And and to see people like Dodd and Regina and Asher and all them that still look back at college and it was some of their, their favorite times. And those athletes have, have accomplished everything in the world. But, 
you know, that range from an individuality, I think is, is awesome. And, and, and I'm glad it's been able to sustain that. We've never freaked out and said, we need to have two divisions individually. I know we have D two nationals, but you know, nobody's ever, and that's why I cherish the board's thoughts through these years is, is you know, making those smart decisions and not panicking that go, we got to have uh, same ability type stuff. So that's really cool that the team ranges, I got to tell you, I hate it. I, I wish, you know, what I love about golf. Anybody can win every weekend. Like it's crazy. You can never predict who's going to win. Nate wins every weekend. Regina wins every weekend, you know, and you know, I hate, I, I love the dynasty. I love the dominance of Lafayette and Monroe. And it, thankfully it actually has not hurt the sport at all. You know, the, the Michigans and Michigan States and Florida Southern, nobody's quitting because they can't win. So that's great. Like it's not hurting the sport, but God, I wish, I wish it was anybody's ball. I wish it was six teams ball game every time we went to Cleveland Nationals. And it always feels like it. And that's, what's awesome. I think Alabama and Florida Southern and Arizona state, like they come into the tournament, literally legit thinking they can win, which is great. That's all you want. You know, you don't want to go in thinking I have no shot. So, you know, hats off to the dynasties, but I'm dying for someone else to win. Uh, one of these years, Bama's got to pull this off before I, before I die, please. Well, <laughs> well, Bama's close. Bama's close. I think for our listeners, one thing that makes collegiate skiing unique outside of, you know, regular AWSA skiing during the summer is that it's very international. Right. So the recruiting at these schools and I, I think people have to understand uh, the recruiting started, at least when I was at Monroe, it was basically just going and pulling the junior world ranking list and starting at the top and working your way down. Right. I mean, that's how we recruited and then pulling people um, from all over the world. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, Jeff, because that is a different element where and it's a positive thing for water skiing. We're actually feeding and diversifying the universities by bringing people in from all around the world to compete. Yeah, it is. I mean, every year I, I you know, you see all the, all the people are losing and then you see all these names. I'm like, I've never heard of half these people and they're phenomenal skiers. It's like, where are they finding them? But, you know, yes, it is. It is really cool to see all the international skiers and you just can't compete with, with what Monroe and Lafayette have to offer. I mean, that's why they keep getting who they get. I mean, full rides and beautiful campus and top-notch facilities. So, you know, that's why they're, they're the, the dynasties they are because they're fortunate enough. I mean, the water skiing at Monroe is bigger than football. I mean, that's awesome, you know, for the sport in general, but it, it does make it very hard for Alabama or Florida Southern. I mean, they do have some scholarships, but not on the level of those two. So they can just, their recruiting is, is off the charts. Sure. Sure. Well, Marcus, I don't know if you've been keeping up to date with with who is uh, going to be challenging for that title this year. I hear Bama's coming on strong. They've got a really good team. Obviously, Lafayette, they're on a big streak and their depth is huge. Uh, I know a lot of uh, skiers from Canada are down there right now. Do you have a favorite this year to take the national title? Well, I'll back up. I, I don't know if you remember, I was working for a while there on a, on a water ski documentary, kind of about collegiate skiing specifically about that dynasty. Jeff's talking about the ULM ULL rivalry. Cause Monroe had won 27 or 28 when we started and Lafayette had won like seven, maybe or eight. I can't remember, but, um, but 2018 where San Marcos, where the nationals are this year, I think Monroe won that year, but it was close, right? It was like, 
it was a battle till the very end, till jump. And then ULL won the last two years, I believe. So it's interesting to see kind of the shift. But for me personally, honestly, I'm kind of interested in ASU this year just because they've ever since I first went there back years ago, uh, they've always been angling for like a national championship. And I think they did. They won one year when they hosted nationals, I believe. 2000, 2000 or 2001. That, that wasn't, that's the yeah. last time uh, ULL or ULM has not won. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So I'm secretly kind of interested. I mean, they've got some good up and coming skiers, blaze grubs, um, some others that, that are on the team. And I just, I want to see what they can do. I mean, a dream would be to see them podium, but as far as who's going to win, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of have to go with, with UL just because they kind of have the momentum right now. You know, and I know Zane is down. Zane Nicholson, great skier. Uh, he's down in, in Monroe trying to kind of pull things back together and and regain some momentum. So it's going to be fun to see the battle. Hopefully I get to go. We'll we'll see. But that's it's going to be a fun year to to witness how, how it all plays out for sure. Jeff, who do you got this year? I got Bama, but I'm just going to keep saying it until I'm right one of these years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was looking back, Marcus, actually – we were 2006 was my first collegiate nationals and we were in California and I think Sacramento. Yep. And I'm looking back at who was on that team and just, I'm going to miss somebody here, but yeah. the world record holder and world record holders and champions, Ryan Dodd, Natalia Bernakova, Adam Sedemeyer, um, Alexei Zornacek and Regina had just aged out. I mean, that's okay. not to take away from, <laughs> Uh, Brianne Dodd was also on that team. Carly Clifton. I mean, and it yep. just, it shows a- you. Yeah. It just shows you the depth of those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Powerhouse teams. Well, so, so I, I just had this thing pop up a second ago. I'll just mention it. Food for thought. I like to do this thought experiment. Just imagine for a moment what all of our lives would be like and all of everybody's lives. Who's, who's been in collegiate water skiing. If you just deleted, if you went back in time, just delete collegiate water skiing from our experience. And now imagine where we would be. Sure. It just, it just feels kind of empty, right? Yeah. Well, I can tell you one thing. I would have never probably gotten to announce a, a tournament past collegiate water skiing. I was announcing a tournament uh, at Bayer, at the Bayou in Monroe. And Matteo Lazari just said, hey, man, I really like what you're doing. I think it's good. And he put it out on some forum and the year I graduated from Monroe, that forum kind of take took shape. And then the next year I was announcing the masters because no of one post that Mateo yep. put together. Uh, and I've been whatever announcing the next year will be 13 years. And so all of those friendships have been able to stay intact from getting to, to travel around and announce for everybody. But I can tell you right there is a material example. And, and Jeff, I would, I want to hear your opinion on this. You you talked about this, and and Marcus, you too. I mean, you guys have really really advanced uh, degrees. When I was over at Monroe, what I think people miss maybe stereotype skiers from the outside a little bit, and they don't understand how motivated and driven they are in the classroom. My roommates, uh, Tyler Collins, he became a Marine fighter pilot 
my other roommate, Kyle Damon, he's just now finishing up being a, his residency as a general surgeon. You know, I ended up going to law school and becoming a lawyer. Jeff, you, you're a pharmacist. Marcus, you're an engineer. I mean, when you go down the list, it is incredible the degrees that skiers are getting off the water inside the classroom. And Jeff, I wanted to get your take and also Marcus. Yeah, I mean, well, unfortunately, I think all of us know that water skiing was, <laughs> wasn't going to pay the bills. So uh, as much as we love the sport, we all, you know, we, it's that balance, right? I mean, we we definitely were, were 100% in the skiing, but everybody, you know, was there mainly, you know, to, to get their degrees uh, post-college. So, yeah, I think it's a good and a bad thing. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a good point. I never thought about it that much but to that extent because almost everybody graduates college. I mean, a very select few have, have been able to make their money from water skiing alone. Sure. Sure. And Marcus, I mean, you have an engineering degree uh, and I think about everything that you brought to the sport, especially just in, I mean, listening to your, I mean, breakdown of technique and everything that comes along with skiing and how much you've contributed just to the sport on, on what we can do on the water. Where do you think you would be right now without that education that you received at Chico state? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, that thought experiment, I can never really answer. We, none of us can ever really answer what, where we would be without collegiate skiing and the experiences and the, and the, the opportunities we got, but we would probably all have replaced collegiate skiing with something else, but I would wager that it wouldn't have been as rich of an experience as, as, as big and, and warm of a community, honestly. And I will say, I think that, um, as it relates to like success and how you just mentioned a lot of, a lot of collegiate skiers and a lot of skiers at large go out and, and they become successful. I feel like that it's un unprovable, but I feel like that kind of proves my point of how important skiing can be in the lives of children, young adults and adults. It's just a way for us. It puts us through a filtering system with challenges, with, with failures, with some successes, where we have to learn who we are, how we are, how to treat other people, how to work with other people and all that stuff. You can't, you can't get that in, in a book. You can't get that any other way. It's just, you just get in, you get your hands dirty and you figure it out. And so, yeah, of course. I mean, it makes sense to me that a lot of people who had successes in skiing, whether it was on the water or was off the water, building teams, building regions, running associations, behind the microphone, whatever it is, those translate in the real world to success in other avenues. As long as you can take those fundamental tenets that you learn as a skier and pivot and use those in other areas of your life, whether it's business or it's, you know, whatever. So that's, that's the takeaway for me. You just can't, you can't replace what you learn by being immersed in the sport, you can't really replace that with anything else and have the same result. And it's just too important of a thing um, to, to, to see it get hijacked or to see it get marginalized or to see teams go offline or to see people feel like they can't afford it anymore and have to pivot and do something else with their family. I mean, we got to find ways to continue to grow it. Stuff like this, conversations like this, people like you guys, I think are, are a big part of that for sure. 
Yeah, well said. And I've always said this. I mean, you take a water skier and the discipline that it took to become a water skier and break through all the barriers. And once they learn to shift that into another area of their life, like their academics, they're going to be successful because the skill has already been learned. And there's no other way to learn that that's more fun than skiing. I'll tell you that. There's a lot of ways to learn it, but not as fun as skiing. Well, Jeff and Marcus and, and Jeff, I'll give you the first uh, shot at giving us a handoff. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I know you're just a wealth of knowledge, man. I mean, whether it's uh, traditional skiing, collegiate skiing, um, you're a skier yourself, you know, the administrative side, there's a lot of things that uh, you know, and if people want to get in contact with, with you, where's the best way they can find you? You know, just email or text for, I'm not too big on the social, unfortunately, but I do have a Facebook. I don't even know what my handle is, to be honest. Yesterday, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not big on the social. Sorry for that uh, segue, not uh, panning out for you there, Tyler, but uh, you can get a hold of me by email anytime, j underscore surd at yahoo.com. Happy to answer any questions. Water skiing has brought me all over the world and so many experiences and friends and family. It's not even funny. Um, and just if you're a college skier listening to this, try to stay in that sport when you leave, get back to it somehow, someday with your family, because the, the friendships you're going to make along the way and the fun you're going to have is, is going to be worth it. So thank you for having me, Tyler. Absolutely. Well, Marcus, we do know that you're on social. So a lot of things moving on. Uh, I mean, watching you coach this year on social media has been really fun to see a lot of your updates there. Um, obviously, the flow point method. Where can people find you? Yeah. So uh, as far as like the water ski specific stuff, FPM flow point method, it's just at flow point method on Instagram. And we got a website flowpointmethod.com. And then, um, of course, YouTube is just flow point on YouTube. Uh, or you search flow point TV and then personal handles, Marcus underscore Brown underscore on Instagram. And uh, I just got to thank both of you guys for continuing to play a part in this community. Um, you know, we tend to think just like water skiing, you know, anybody ever, I'm sure you guys have people listening, you go out, you have a great set. You're like, okay, awesome. That's where I'm at now. And then like the next day you go out and ski and it's just like complete opposite. It's the worst set you've had all year. It's, it just goes to show you like, this is a living, breathing thing. Your skiing is a living, breathing thing. You have to earn it every day. You have to stay hungry, stay sharp. The sport is a living, breathing thing. All of us together create this, this community, create the sport. It's not just going to stay there. It's not just going to be on an even path. If we don't continue to try to evolve it, continue to try to grow it like you guys are. So it's cool to see you guys still involved. Obviously you have other things going in your life that are, that are, um, that are paying the bills and stuff, but, but it's cool to see you guys still, still coming back to it and still giving back to it. Uh, like America's cup in Kansas, listening to Jeff on the microphone. Um, that's cool. It's good. It's, it, it, hearing, hearing you guys, hearing you at masters, it's, this is just a community and doesn't get much better than that. So I think, um, yeah, I, I hope we're doing this in, in 10 more years and Absolutely. we're doing it in, on, a, on a bigger, bigger and bigger platform. Absolutely. Well, Marcus, Jeff, thanks so much for joining the Hit It podcast. Thank you, Tyler. See you, Thank Marcus. You, See you, Jeff.
Thanks for listening and come back and catch future episodes as we chat with water ski legends and current stars from each of the sports disciplines as we celebrate 100 years of water skiing. Thanks again to our sponsor, Visit Central Florida. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'll see you next time.